from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Well, good morning, security gang. Wednesday, October 11th, 2023. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. We're joining you live on your favorite social media platforms, platforms like YouTube, Twitter now, X, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, and Rumble. Thank you for everyone tuning in from all over the globe this morning. We really appreciate you taking the next 15 minutes to get the latest on cybersecurity news. So we're going to get right into that here in just a moment. But please, while you're doing so and while you're waiting, if you love this content, please make sure to subscribe and follow us on your favorite podcast and listening platform. You can find us on Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else you'd get your podcast. Look up CyberHub Podcast, follow us there, give us a five-star rating as well. Before we kick off this morning's show, a tradition, which for the last few days, I admit I've been a bit distracted. Cuff cup cheers, my double espresso. I have been slightly distracted, rightfully so, I would argue. We're going to go ahead and kick off this morning's show with some news from Israel um, as the death toll continues to climb now over 1,200 injured, uh, sorry, over 1,200 dead civilians and soldiers. Um, and approximately 3,700 injured. Um, the cyberspace, though, is uh, a space that is thriving all of within its own. Currently, both sides um, are active in continuous cyber campaigns once against the other. Some of this has to do with DDoS attacks on or defacing of websites. That's really, really common. Some stuff that we've I've seen over the last 24 to 48 hours is a lot of website defacing of businesses, government sites, uh, small agencies within the government, um, and 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 others other places as well. A lot of nonprofits too. Um, we're also seeing kind of the the the, the backside of this uh, cyber attack. Now, um, I, I want to address one thing that's not in this article, but but people have been asking me on LinkedIn, on 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 Twitter, and so forth. There are reports and they're unconfirmed because the IDF is busy fighting a war and not answering these types of questions. The border fence and the border wall between Gaza and Israel had a ton of IoT devices on it to identify ladders, weight changes, holes, all kinds of stuff. It's rumored that Iran launched a cyber attack on it, which took down those defenses uh, for for a few minutes while um, the Hamas terrorists uh, blew 15 holes in different parts of the fence and invaded Israel. Um, that's unconfirmed, although, um, and I don't know if that's propaganda or not, Hamas doesn't have those capabilities, just so that we're clear. Hamas is ISIS, but the cyber attack would have come from Iran or something of that nature, most likely Iran. Um, so, so, so there's that there as well. Um, part of the cyber conflict is also the idea of propaganda and the Russians have picked sides on this battle and they've joined their Iranian masters, apparently who, uh, are now posting a whole bunch of pro Hamas propaganda, uh, in Russia. So there's that as well, uh, for their, his part, uh, former cyber, uh, cyber SAR and director Chris Ingalls yesterday at an event talks about cyber is involved in everything it's certainly involved 
in this, including the Israel-Hamas conflict, and I think in two ways. One, cyber, the digital infrastructure is being used to synchronize and coordinate activities, whether that's diplomacy or actions on the battlefield. And then the second um, is um, the uh, information war uh, that's going on as well. Um, so there's every confidence in the world that Israelis are perfectly capable of defending themselves and asserting their viewpoint on that battlefield. That's also very true. Many, many peers in cybersecurity have been called up and, um, and, um, and, and have joined the, the, the cyber battlefield um, in that aspect as well. There's plenty of volunteers, by the way, all over um, who kind of joined that as well. Um, so uh, there's that as well. So Chris Singles also weighed in on, on, on Russia and the Ukraine and the cyber battlefield there, as well as AI. A great story. You can see more about it in the show notes and read there. But yesterday was the day of the month that every single security and IT professional on planet Earth absolutely hates. It's that one day where they all decided that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to make you patch all your systems today. And so let's get into Patch Tuesday recap. The October Patch Tuesday kicked off yesterday with Microsoft haunted by a whole slew of zero days. Microsoft flagged two zero day vulnerabilities under active attack in the patch Tuesday. One affects uh, Microsoft WordPad and Skype for Business. The release also features a critical rated wormable bug in the message queuing that could instill uh, terror for domains of vulnerable systems. The two bugs are part of 103 total CVEs addressed by Microsoft yesterday. Patches include Microsoft's portfolio, including Azure, ASP.NET, Core, Visual Studio, Exchange Server, Office, Microsoft Dynamics, and Windows. Appropriately, the number of critical rated vulnerabilities comes in at an unlucky 13, and notably a full 20% of the fixes in the update related to Microsoft messaging queue. The October 2023 bug under active exploit is CVE 2023-36563, an information disclosure bug in the WordPad word processing program that could open the door for NTLM relay attacks by exposing those hashes. To exploit the vulnerability, they must first gain access to the system, um, and then subsequently they would need to run a specially crafted application designed to take advantage of the vulnerability and seize control of the affected system. But Microsoft, for their end, um, have 20 different Microsoft messaging queuing vulnerabilities, including CVE 2023-35349er, which earns the distinction of being the scariest one of this all uh, carries a CVSS critical score of 9.8. The bug allows unauthenticated remote code execution without user interaction, meaning the issue is wormable on systems where messaging queues are enabled. So that's just on the Microsoft side. For those in ICS, Siemens and Schneider Electric also released their advisories uh, dealing with more than different 40 vulnerabilities. Siemens has published a dozen new advisories addressing 41 different vulnerabilities. One advisory describes seven vulnerabilities affecting Siemens' rugged COM APE-1808 industrial application hosting platform, which is made for running third-party software in harsh mission-critical environments. The vulnerability exists in a a product made by industrial and IoT cybersecurity firm Nozomi Networks, uh, specifically the firm's Guardian product, which is designed to provide asset inventory and network visibility, and the central management console, which aggregates Guardian sensor data. Nozomi patched the vulnerabilities in its product in early August. The vulnerabilities can be exploited to obtain information, execute arbitrary JavaScript code, hijack user session, and cause denial of service conditions. All 
of that there. Schneider Electric for their end released two new advisories informing customers of the availability of patches for three critical vulnerabilities. Two of them impact the Space Logic CBUS toolkit, and they can be exploited for remote code execution. And the third flaw affects the EcoStructure Power Monitoring Expert and EcoStructure Power Operations product. It can also be exploited for code execution. So there's that. Chrome 118 has been released to the stable channel, fixing 20 vulnerabilities, including 14 reported by external researchers. The most severity of the flaw, CV 2023-5218, is a critical bug for use after free issue in the site isolation. Chrome component responsible for preventing sites from stealing other sites' data. So that's been updated, and you want to get your Chrome updated as well there. Sisa is warning about the Adobe uh, Acrobat Reader vulnerability that it's been added to its known uh, to its Kev catalog, the known exploited vulnerabilities. Uh, CVE 2023-21608 is a use after free vulnerability which can be exploited to achieve remote code execution with privileges of the current user. Adobe released patches for this flaw in January of 2023, but numerous proof of concepts and technical write-ups have been published since, creating opportunities for that as well. This also expanded the Kev with CVE 2023-20109er. That's an out-of-bounds right flaw in the group encrypted transport VPN feature of Cisco's iOS and iOS XC. So a whole bunch of stuff has been updated in the Kev catalog. If you're in the federal agency under that, um, that point, then you're probably going to have to start patching. Citrix Netscaler, ADC, and Netscaler Gateway are both impacted by a critical severity flaw that's allowing the disclosure of sensitive information from vulnerable appliances. Citrix just can't stay out of the headlines with this. CVE 2023-49066 has received a CVSS rating of 9.4. to being remotely exploitable without requiring high-privilege user interaction or high-complexity. There is a prerequisite that the appliance be configured as a gateway um, or an AAA virtual server for it to be vulnerable to attack. So if it's neither of those then you're fine. While the flaws exploitation can lead to sensitive information disclosure, there's no details about what information would be exposed. The second vulnerability in the same bulletin is CVE 2023-49067, a high severity CVSS score of 8.2 flaw carrying the same prerequisite, which can potentially cause denial of service on vulnerable devices. Um, so those have all been upgraded. You want to get into the latest version of those. An internet-wide zero-day bug fuels the largest ever DDoS event. An ongoing rapid reset DDoS flood attack exposed organizations need to patch CVE 2023-44487 immediately to head off crippling outages and business disruption. The internet-wide security vulnerabilities at the root of a zero-day attack dubbed as HTTP-2 subrapid reset, which is resulting in a distributed denial of service flood that was or that was orders of the magnitude larger than any previous attack ever recorded. According to researchers, AWS, Cloudflare, and Google Cloud each independently observed the attack in question, which features multiple waves of traffic that lasted for just minutes each. They targeted cloud and internet infrastructure providers, and the attack took place over August 28th and 29th of this year. Unknown perpetrators were behind the event, but it's clear that they exploded a bug in the HTTP-2 protocol, which is used in about 60% of all web applications. AWS Cloudflare and Google worked with other cloud DDoS security and infrastructure vendors in a coordinated effort to minimize the real-world impact of the rapid reset attacks, mainly with load balancing and other edge strategies. But that doesn't mean it's protected. Plenty of organizations are still there um, and could be vulnerable to it. So um, there are some patches and workaround for this. There's a mitigation piece as well. 
that you want to get into play. Sorry, there's no patches. There's mitigations. Looking at my notes here. Um, organizations that are in the and or operations that are managing or operating their own HTTP2 capable server should apply vendor patches for CVE 2023-44487 when available in order to remediate the situation altogether. And Air Europa, a uh, Europe, a Spanish airline company, is warning of a data breach and asking customers to cancel their credit cards. Uh, the recent incident compromised the credit card information after attacker accessed that uh, as that card information in a recent data breach. Um, Air Europa is the country's uh, Spanish Airlines is the third largest airline and a member of the Sky Team Alliance. Uh, they've informed that a cybersecurity incident was recently detected, consisting of possible unauthorized access to bank card data. Why is that not encrypted? That's literally stage one of PCI rule. The credit card data exposed in the breach include card numbers, expiration date, and three-digit CVV codes on the back of the card. <laughs> At some point, you got to wonder, like, do these people just not care? Um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know how you store credit card information in your system tonight. I just call me silly for that. That's it for our show this morning. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with a whole lot more praying for better days and better news um um from israel as the death toll and damages continue to uh um, show you the horrific last moments of many uh israelis there on the border with gaza um and elsewhere so with that being said have a great rest of your day y'all and we'll be back tomorrow until then stay cyber safe We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.